0: This is uh, you know, that negative thought you've been having, and uh, I just uh I just can't let you try and change yourself without a fight. So uh go ahead and just turn this show off, okay? And um uh, yeah, everything's still fine. This is Blindsight with your host, Bill Lundgren, an A-I-N-C original podcast. Are you serious? We're not holding back truth. We're here to help you heal and become the best you possible. Here's the chair, here's the pillow, here's Bill. Hello, hello, hello. This is Jonathan Price, your podcast producer here at the Audio Information Network of Colorado. Man, I hope you guys are having a fantastic week. Before we get into this episode on the second part of childhood addiction and problems, uh we want to first point you to the episode we did last week, which is part one of this episode, and we talk a lot about some of the symptoms and the signs going into childhood addiction. So, Go back and check that out. I also wanted to mention before we get into this, uh, August 12th is our annual hike, and we're going to be leaving from the AINC offices in Boulder, Colorado. We're going to head over to Chautauqua Park, uh, just outside of Boulder. We're going to come back and have a wonderful barbecue and and lunch and all that kind of stuff, so it'll be awesome. All right, that's enough chatter for me. We're going to dive into this week's episode on Part 2
1: of Childhood Addiction. Now. There is one thing that I would add on to that, and that is uh, parents need to look at their own behavior. Right. Their own behavior with each other, and Uh uh, and including use of chemical substances. Right. Okay, how can you tell uh, a child not to use something when you drink you know drink alcohol to excess and Listen. part of what we're talking about in terms of addictive behavior is nature but there's uh rather nurture right but there's also some nature because if there's sure. been a history of alcoholism in your family yeah the risk of the children when they use may be very high for them to Exhibit the same behavior, one from seeing what's going on around them, but also in terms of biochem biological, biochemistry, right. factors in the use of addictive substances, their reaction to chemicals, and uh, and parents who have alcoholic parents mm-hmm. and choose not to have any alcohol in the house. Yeah. because of that, uh, it's kind of confusing for kids because they don't. If they don't know that history, sometimes it's helpful to talk to children about the history that they, what they grew up with, right? And as part of why, uh, you know, why they uh, don't have any alcohol in the house, and why they're concerned for you, yeah, because of uh, biochemists, uh chemically, they may be set up for trouble because it may skip several generations. Uh, males, oh, yeah. males tend to be four times higher rate of addiction. Uh, males who are children of alcoholics are four times higher than the uh, national average chance of b- being addicts themselves. And we need to pay you know, pay attention to that. And sometimes because the parents are so negative towards the use of chemicals that they don't use it all. And, and in fact, may raise all kinds of uh, fuss about kids yeah. using. Then they have, then the kids have a, a different perspective. They don't have the history. So sure. they start using and uh, getting into addictive behavior even beyond their control. Right. And. We need to pay attention to what our attitude uh, attitudes are towards alcohol or to chemical substances, and be able to, in a matter of fact way to be able to share that with with the kids so they understand you know what the possibilities are mm-hmm. and why why you get so bent out of shape about it. Well, can I add on
0: add, add on to that a second? Um you know y- y- you had mentioned that boys were four times uh, I think I heard this right four times more likely to follow in their parents footsteps when it came or, to addiction and
1: developed addictive behavior right right uh, right if so, their parents were addicts or right. if, uh, yeah mm-hmm. so and, and my, it's even higher point, for grandparents
0: too mhm oh jeez So I guess the question that I have then is, is where do you draw the line of this is a behavioral nature when, because there I've seen instances where the father would be an alcoholic or the mother would be an alcoholic and the kid knowing that their parents were alcohol, they, they did like what you said, took all the alcohol out of the house, never had a sip of it, never touched it. However, that behavior of the, the the behavioral addiction aspect of it, they now found another vice, whether it's yeah. uh, medications or there's drugs, whether it's right. um, eating disorders. I mean, it, I mean, you you name it, it. It's the addictive personality that I think one has to watch out for. That you know, it's it's, it's relatively. No, I shouldn't say that. It's easier to identify what the addiction is versus the addictive personality. Yeah. And I think you've got to start with the personality aspect and identify and and kind of ad- address what that person is going through in the in the personality aspect. What are your thoughts?
1: Well I I think the personality part gets uh, get a little overused, but yeah, there is a tendency if they're not into an addiction to one thing there may be uh, something else that they and even work oh work yeah work is an addiction yeah and you know what part of what has to one is, and, and the newest addiction of course is to the uh, uh, the iPhone to you know yep. the uh, social media so so there's a, there's all kinds of things that we have to have to, I don't say warn kids, but uh, if we can model and also talk about what is appropriate behavior. For yeah. example, uh, okay is okay over 21, but these are some of the limits. You know, you can't drive. Right. You know, just, just setting some rules down and having kids understand there's a real attraction. Yeah. To getting drunk, there's a, you know, it's for some for some social sets, it's manly to get drunk, and you know, right. and to to and uh, part of what uh, parents need to figure out how they can get across to kids that that is that may be mainly a manly behavior for others, but sure. that's not going to fly here. It's not gonna and here's here's why. Here is here's the problem that we get into. And you know, we're almost afraid to talk about it because it'll attract them to it. No, it won't, if we say, okay, yeah, look, right. this is where the limits are. And right now you're underage, so to uh to use now is not uh what you want to do. And yeah, it's you
0: just know, it, it's framing all of those conversations in a healthy
1: way. In a healthy so way, there can be there can be not a future, not, not, right. uh, uh, punishing thing, but say, no. "Look, this is what you know." My my father was an alcoholic, uh, and I am really conscious of how you're using, that you are using How you may may be using alcohol, and yeah. I need to set some rules uh, some rules down because one, you may be high risk. And number two, uh, I don't want you to go down that path. Yeah, boy, that's such a hard
0: line to toe, And you've got to be so careful as a parent because I know a lot of us will feel like, boy, if I say the wrong thing or if I say the right thing, I'm going to set them up for failure. But let me tell you what, not saying anything and not addressing it is almost worse than addressing it and being wrong. Because once you at least, even if you were to address it in the slightest at least you've opened up the, com- the the dialogue conversation the ability to have that talk um if, if that's never breached if if that bridge is never there um you're going to run into a lot of problems when yeah your kids get older and you find out that they've been you know shooting up and they've been you know taken to the bottle and all those things you're like well what in the world happened i had no idea well right
1: the conversation well, wasn't allowed to be had. Well, one of the one of the other things uh, too, the parents have to be okay with establishing I'm a parent, yes, and, uh, is, and because I'm old enough, I can make uh, decisions which you are still learning how to do. Right. And one of the things that gets real, real muddy uh, if you have an alcoholic. A household, then the kids react to all of that, and they start taking responsibility for things that go wrong in the household, even though it had to do with with a father or mother who's drunk. Right. They, because kids growing up, uh, kids are narcissistic. In case you had oh, noticed, yeah. <laughs> and I- uh, they think. You know every the world revolves around them, and it does in many ways right it does but yeah. they also think if something's wrong with this picture, it must be my fault yes, and when uh and then they get very confused because they feel it's their responsibility to keep people everybody happy, and if you have an active alcoholic in the house, that is oh, yeah. impossible. That thing. So kids are constantly going around. You know, am I doing right? And they, and if the parent is not uh, happy, they assume it's their fault. Yeah, yeah. That's, why, that's why kids they have
0: to be. That's used. why a lot of kids blame themselves
1: for a divorce. Right. Absolutely. They think because they're narcissistic, and right. a lot of times in some families, uh, the parent in their battle. May uh, demand that the kids take sides, oh, and, that, yeah. and and they have to. Kids have to understand their uh, boundaries mm-hmm. between what parents they're going to deal with each other, or right. parents are going to make decisions about certain things, and uh, the kids. Their job is to play and to learn and to you uh, and to learn their skills and so forth. They don't have yeah. to get in- involved. Right. And that it's okay, Absolutely. the parents know what they're doing, and you know, hopefully the parents do know what they're hopefully. doing. Hopefully,
0: I was going to say, a lot of times they have no clue what's going on.
1: <laughs> right, and everybody's winging it, and that part, that just adds to the complication. Right. <clears throat> but I think parents also have to trust. They have to, uh, if there is an atmosphere of trust where kids feel that they can come to their parents and share something with them and they're not going to be blasted out of the water, that's a large percentage of, of the uh, yep. problem solved right there. But if they're afraid to come to the parents, they're afraid to say to the parents, that hey, you know, something is going on or something, uh, you know, we, we get this time and time again, mm-hmm. uh, they have to keep it to, to themselves. And then that's when they're set up for, for real problem.
0: So when we talk about we've talked about some of the warning signs of addiction and some of the the causes of and, and things to look out for. How do you broach that conversation if you're a parent and you see your kid is struggling either in school or with friends? How, how do you start to have that conversation to build that trust?
1: Well, uh, I think a lot of it is is communication and trying to uh let the child know that they can come to you about small things and big things, and they're not going to get blasted out of the water right and I think that uh and and also you know uh, the tone in which the parent presents what evidence they have, you know, Johnny, I'm real concerned I see your grade slipping, uh, yeah, what's going on? You know, and just leave the door open and not say, you know, if you're great, don't, you know, we're going to do X, Y, Z. What's going on? This is not like you. Or this is, you used to love this teacher or this class or whatever, and you don't anymore what's going on. Because that's when, you know, again, when kids are withdrawing, something's going on. That's right. And, you know, you have to, you have to, but the tone you have to give is critical. Share with yeah. me, as you were saying, a team, yep. you know, say, you know, uh, just as you would help your your daughter get more information, it's that same kind of thing where you say to your daughter, look, uh, you know, I noticed this. What's going on? Yeah. Are you, you know, are you okay? Yeah. And to be able to just. Give that sometimes you can't get the information from them right away. But if they know they've got an atmosphere where they can talk to you about anything, then, you know, that's half the battle.
0: Yeah, I started using um, open ended statements. Yeah. To help kind of navigate their problems, so if like if my daughter came to me or my son came to me and he said, he said, "Dad, I'm struggling with with this or I can't figure this out," and I would I would say something to the effect of, "Okay, so I, I, you repeat after me and you fill in the blank. I feel blank because I can't blank." Okay, well, now you've given them a parameter. You've given them a framework to say, I feel angry or upset because I can't figure out how the solar system works. Right. Right? So now we've framed it appropriately. Okay, great. So we're, we're trying to figure out how the solar system works. Now we're going to work backwards. And so allowing your child to find a safe parameter to operate in. Because a lot of times kids, they can't regulate emotions. And so we've got to put them kind of in a box for a minute. And I know that sounds crazy, but go with me. You just got to put those guardrails up for just a minute so that they can focus and try to learn how to move the boundaries of that box in a safe way. And when I open those questions up or I give them those open-ended statements, they're all of a sudden able to. It's like this light bulb comes on. They're like, "Oh, wait a minute! I've identified right. why I'm upset. I've identified why I'm happy, or I've had a like." But it, you see, it, it op-
1: it's such a great tool. I don't know, right? But we're going to step back a second and say the kids have all kinds of emotions all over the place, and they they don't un- they may not understand them, right? They may not even know how to label them, and sometimes. Uh, and I do, I have adults who don't know how to label their emotions. Right. And, and I try to simplify them by saying mad, glad, sad, scared. Right. Just four. And yep. choose one of those four. And then uh, you can get them to elaborate. Well, what, you know, what is that like for you? And help them to, yeah. to understand their emotional uh, terrain and also yep. understand because they're young. Uh, they may have a number of different emotions uh, sometimes at the same time, but at least uh, they may be back and forth. And yeah. so it's important to understand where are you right now? How are you feeling about daddy? Oh, I'm angry at daddy. And, you know, that's yeah. okay. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry to hear, hear that. Can you tell me more? And yep. then it becomes open-ended for them to say, you know, if 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 they can say something like "I'm angry at Daddy," and not get them, well, how could you do that? I, I, all the things I, you know, and, and I think a lot right. of people listening with uh, it have probably heard all the things I do for you. Why oh, yep. do you yes. feel angry? Well, of course they're going to, you know, immediately clam up, right? Because but, now you've just created an unsafe environment, right? Right, and and you've also said, we're not going to talk about emotions here. And we're not going to... And yet the kids have lots of emotions they don't understand. So part of our job is to help them to articulate it and gain, not to tell them what they're feeling, but to get them to identify them. Oh, oh, this caused me to feel angry. And this was such and such, and, and know what to do with those feelings. Because yep. we, we as adults don't even know what to do with our feelings sometimes. Oh, a lot and, of times.
0: Are you kidding? Our yeah. emotions are a are good governor, but very rarely should right. you make a decision right. based so on we, your emotions. And we don't
1: know how to deal with it, particularly the negative right. feelings. And yep. you know, and say, okay, I'm feeling angry about something, something that happened uh, today at work, has nothing to do with you, but I'm just a little PO yeah. so I'm gonna go out and uh, mow the lawn or do something, some physical way of getting that feeling out. Right. And and kids don't have those tools. So if a parent can say, When I'm angry, I may go out and do XYZ, yeah. take a walk or whatever it is, and then it come back and then I can, you know, think think it mm-hmm. through what it is that's causing the problem.
0: Yeah. And well, I also want to add to that when you go to have these conversations about addiction or you go to have these conversations about emotional or mental health, try to do it when you're not in the emotionally charged situation, like at the dinner table. Hey, um, I got a house school going or very in a non-confrontational way right. or like in the heat of a moment, because in the heat of a moment, we're all going to say things and do things that we've very much regret and very rarely have I been in a situation where I'm emotionally charged and I say the perfect thing at the perfect time. Right. Um, and most of the time I go back and be like, you know, you know, uh, sweetie, I'm sorry. Uh, Daddy made a mistake. I I said some things that I should not have said. And can I clarify some things that were going on? Yeah, Boy, exactly. If, if a child hears their parent apologize to them. Right. that Modeling,
1: modeling. yeah.
0: They feel so empowered. They feel close to you. They feel like, Oh, my dad is, my, you know, my dad is human and
1: you're right. My dad yeah, is, okay. is not necessarily human. Yeah. It, and
0: yeah. My dad's not Superman and he may not know everything, but he knows how to figure out the answer or my yeah. parent knows how to figure out the answer. And so I, uh, being able yeah. to be a safe place for your kids and have those conversations outside of the emotionally charged situation. Yeah. Yeah. Critical.
1: Yeah, when a kid is having a temper tantrum, you know, that's not no. a time to analyze, get him no, to analyze. It's not. But they, you no, it's Yeah. And say, hey, you know, you were, last, you know, uh, uh, an hour ago, you were really angry with me. What was that all about? And yeah. get them to articulate if yep. they can be, because one of the ideal skills, I think, uh for parents is to help them sort out intellect versus emotion. And they're going to be far more into emotion, but you don't want to stifle that. You don't want them to be all logic because that doesn't work either, but help them to manage it by using the intellect, Mm -hmm. you know, or the thought process as well as identifying uh, and uh, owning up the emotion. And the two work together. But right now, we have a, a lot of trouble with that, particularly on you know, the political scene. They see everybody yelling and screaming, and nobody. Oh, I know. Yeah. I mean, it's a, there are a lot of bad examples out there, and the kids, no wonder the kids are confused because the parents well, are confused. <laughs> oh, my God. All the time. All the time. Yeah. What we do
0: in our house, we like to do. Any of those types of conversations where we're dealing with school things or personality things or, you know, just life circumstances, we usually do it right before they go to bed or when they're in bed and we're tucking them in and we'll, you know, say their prayers with them and we'll sit down with them and we'll say, Hey, how are you feeling? I noticed this kind of happened today. Can we go back and kind of, let's put the emotions on the shelf for just a, a quick second and we'll kind of bring those back in as we kind of yeah. talk through this but i found that when i do that right before they go to bed one they sleep better and and they oh. and then two they're able to get out in a non-confrontational way what was happening outside right. of that environment and it's right. and they've already been off of screens for you know a while they've either read a book so their mind is primed to some of the emotions and to some of the logical thinking where we can gently bring in those emotions back into what they were feeling and deal with them in Mm -hmm. a healthy way.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And the thing is to help them understand that these are all manageable. You don't have to anesthetize them. Right. Uh, And this is uh, uh, one of the things that's been real interesting for me over the years uh, around, uh, you know, I have... I've had clients who abuse alcohol, and then, you know, when they work and when they think through some things they're doing, uh, and particularly we talk about the place of alcohol or uh, other drugs in their, particularly pot, in their lives, and we, you know, just sort of point out, you realize, you you know, how are you uh, being able to make decisions under the influence? And, yeah. You know, and then it's a, a light bulb goes o- goes off and they say, oh, well, uh, yeah, I'm doing a lot of drinking. And uh, mm. some, oftentimes I don't have to say anything more. They come to me and yeah. say, you know, I, I haven't been doing any drinking since such and such. And I'm noticing things are so much more manageable. Yep. That's, that's it. If, yeah. if kids, but you see kids, Part of the problem the parents face is the kids, like everybody else, want to belong, Mm-hmm. and so we ha- you have to be real mindful of who the kids are hanging hanging out with, right? And in that group, what what is the group's uh, position on the use of chemical substances? Mm. You know, and and uh, that's a difficult conversation to have, you know, but I wonder if more parents were just asking them and you know, what are what are your peers doing? What are you right? You know, are are they using you know, is quite frankly, kids know when, when drugs are being sold in the school. Oh but yeah. But we're hesitant to ask. Right. And I'm not yeah. sure that that, and, and I think if we have a trusting relationship with the kids, uh, they might tell us the truth. Agreed. And the thing is, 100%. okay, then talk about, okay, when somebody offers you something, You know, what's your response? Because I know that if you say no, you're going to feel like less than with somebody else. So, I mean, how do you, you know, how how do you feel when you turn something down or what, you know, is this attractive to you, attractive to you? You know, what's your think, you know, find out what their thinking is about the use of chemicals and how powerful those external uh, environment is on them to use.
0: Yeah. I love that.
1: And try to get a sense because one of the other one of the contradictory kinds of things that that parents have to deal with is teaching the kids independence, but the kids wanting to be in a group or in in a group. And how do you uh, help them to negotiate it? Uh, Particularly when you say, you know, there's some people, uh, some people in my world I don't like. But because we work together, you know, <laughs> we we just have to put up with it. We, we don't have to, you know, get sucked into it. Uh, right. But people that we spend time with who we really like, so it's kind of letting them know that you don't have to have be accepted. I think this is probably the toughest thing to teach kids. You don't have to be loved by everybody. Oh, man. That's such a hard lesson to
0: learn. Even yep. adults have a hard time le- even yep. as, as you could learn,
1: never learn that lesson your entire life.
0: And yep. it's just, mm-hmm. it's a that's hard, the problem.
1: That's it's the problem. such a hard thing. And then we just give in to the pressure simply because, uh, you know, we, we want to be accepted and that's, that's the right. biggie. We want to be yeah. accepted. We don't want to be different from everybody else. And uh, if we can get a, a child or a, a teenager to tell us, well, you know, if you're if you're not using, what's it feel like for you? Mm-hmm. You know, are you being um, given a hard time by your by your peers, or what's what's yeah. it like? And you may have to make, as you have, uh, make a decision that that environment they're in is not healthy for them. Right. And you may yeah. have to explain that to the kids because they don't want to, even though their friends may be very uh, toxic for them. They're, we're going to have yeah. to convince them yeah this is uh, this is these are the kind of choices we have to make yes. to be with people who are supportive of us or behavior that we respect and want to model uh, you know use them as a model mm-hmm. or we can be in, in be modeling and just self destructive behavior just because we like somebody or admire them as being the cool kids well, yeah, when you remember have to, as when a, we were kids, it was a. We would always gravitate to or look up to the cool kid, and the right. cool kid kid is using. We, you know, we have we have to make some decisions not to be cool. Well, and it's
0: that it's that peer pressure. But I wanted to back up for a quick second. When you there's going to be times as a parent that you're just going to have to say, "Look, this is a dangerous. Excuse me, this is a dangerous behavior." And we need to get you out of this situation. I know it's going to suck for you. I know it's going to be hard. But I'm trying to save your life. And this is what's going to happen. And I, I this is going to be the best thing for you. And there are going to be times, I promise you as a parent, there will be times when you're going to have to make those decisions. And your kids are and not going like to like it. They're not going to like it. They're going to hate you. They're going to scream at you. They could yell at you. But here's here's the thing we just took my kids out of a a, a particular charter school and we're moving them to a different school. And the biggest thing for my kids were the friendship aspects because they already knew that the school was going down. They weren't performing well, that things were happening. And so, after we had these conversations about, hey, here's kind of what I'm thinking, and here's the the evidence and the and what's going on at the school and presenting all of this information instead of a knee-jerk reaction of I'm just gonna rip you out of school and put you in a new one. Right. We were right. we were able to talk through and then they were like, oh my goodness, my eyes are open. Now I can do this. I can do more science. I can do more reading. Right. I can do all
1: what they gain by leaving the, right. the environment.
0: And so it wasn't a me just yanking them out of school and saying, well, this is this is ridiculous. But then on the other hand, when I was a kid and I was in third grade, my dad yanked me out of school because I I was in an abusive school and my my teacher was very abusive. And my dad, I remember Play it like it was yesterday. He came in. He said, Jonathan, get your stuff. You're going home. And I thought I was in trouble. Right. But come to realize, you know, it, my dad was there to protect me. Right. And, exactly. You know, it yeah, took me same, 30 yeah. years. It took me 30 years of different counseling and therapies and, and mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. those things to work through that trauma. Yeah. And so sometimes you're going to have to be a parent and just have to play the mean card and say, look, I know what's best for you. I love you. And you can ask me all the questions that you want. That is critical. Letting yeah, them ask absolutely. questions about what's going absolutely. on. Absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it really, see, unfortunately, we don't get this much training to do that. You have to listen to podcasts or listen to, uh, right. and even some of the podcasts, uh, some of the professionals who write books are not necessarily right, but parents, if they can, they have to develop some instinct, if you will, mm-hmm. or some confidence that they know what they're doing. Yes. Even though the kids say, oh, no, Dan, you know, we have to say, I'm, I'm the only parent you got. So right. I, I think this is the way we have to operate and try to be as consistent as possible. Yeah. Consistency helps a lot because when we make mistakes and we apologize, but our behavior is understandable, then we're ahead of the game. That's right. Well, Bill, I've enjoyed
0: this conversation. I have. We've had quite a few conversations, (laughs) so it's been awesome.
1: Yeah. And I hope our. Our listeners are listening in and enjoying it as well. And that's why I ask people to let us know what you think. We've been, I've been getting some email. Yeah. It's been very helpful because yep. uh, we want to make the program as useful to our listeners as possible. This is Bill Lundgren with Jonathan Price, my producer. And this has been Sight presented by the Audio Information Network of Colorado. And we're signing off, uh, wishing everyone a good week, month, whatever. Take care.